0: Morning, So, Pastor Joe just kind of reminded me, we're talking about Home Depot here, and you guys ever heard of Tim Hawkins? Yeah, my kids like to sing this song to me, um, Tim Hawkins' song, do they have a Home Depot in heaven? Tell me, because I need to know. Do they have a Home Depot in heaven? If not, do they at least have a Lowe's? So, uh, just like Joe, I can, I can spend a lot of time in Home Depot, and all the men in this room said, amen. It's a good place. Hey, Easter is just a couple of weeks away. I mean, it seems like it sneaks up on us all the time, but um, just two weeks from today, we're gathering together. It's, it's one of the greatest opportunities to see God do some of the greatest work in people. And, and we come together, and, and um, I, I, I call this group of people church folk. That's us. We're the normal Sunday morning church folk. We come on a regular basis and Easter to us oftentimes becomes one of those moments where we have the greatest opportunity to tell God, thank you for all that he has done for us. Now I think that that's significant and yet I think a lot of times church folk fall into this almost trap where they forget that that's not everything that Easter is about. Easter is not just about telling Jesus thank you. Easter is about sharing the good news. And so I want to encourage you guys. We're, we're getting ready to celebrate in just a couple of weeks. And we talked last week about this partnership. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask, um, can you bring the lights up up here just a little bit more? I don't know if we, if we just have to flip the switch or not, but I need a little bit more light so I can see faces out here. Because we have a partnership that we agreed on last week. We agreed on this, and I'm going to hold you to it, okay? You said, you agreed, you said amen, you said yes, when I said, will you do your best to invite people to come to Easter with you in a couple of weeks? And you said, yes, you said amen. We have a partnership here, we have an agreement. You're going to do your best to invite your friends and your family and your neighbors and your coworkers to join you for Easter, and the staff is going to do our very best to provide a powerful and meaningful service for everybody to, to enjoy and to participate in. So that's our partnership. That's our agreement. And yet, every one of us, you, you should be, in your mind, you should be saying, yeah, but Pastor Patrick, that's not enough. It's not. Scripture says, without the presence of the Holy Spirit, our best isn't good enough. And so this isn't about you doing your best and us doing our best and that's it. This is about you doing your part, staff doing its part, and all of us praying and trusting the Lord that His Holy Spirit's going to move on people's hearts. Now, can I get an amen on that? Okay, so Easter is an opportunity for church folk to enjoy celebrating and telling God thank you, but also to be able to share that same experience With the community in which we live. And so we're looking forward to Easter in just a couple of weeks where we get to do that. And so invite some of your friends, some of your family and and such, and we're going to have a great opportunity. In fact, next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about this. The next few weeks that we would call the Easter season, the week before Easter, the week of Easter, and the week after, is an incredible opportunity for the church to begin to, to circle back around to what we talked about a couple of months ago, reaching others. I don't know if you can see, I'm pointing to that banner over there. Reaching others. It's a call upon the church that we don't just get this holy huddle. Have you ever heard that phrase before? This holy huddle where we just get together and we just say kumbaya and, and we just thank the Lord for everything he's done, but we fail to invite the world around us to be a part of what God is doing here. And so this Easter season is an opportunity for us to focus and to make it a big deal on reaching others. Now, today, we, uh, we wrap up this series on Love Is. And I want to I start by just letting you know, a few months ago, I woke up with a, a question. Um, a question that was going through my mind. Have you guys ever woke up with a song in your head? May, maybe it's, do they have a Home Depot in heaven? Maybe that's your song, but... Sometimes you wake up and there's just a song that's in your head, or maybe it was you're trying to, to figure out what this thought is, and it, maybe it was a weird dream or something like that. But sometimes you wake up and the Lord is speaking to you. And I had this, this question in my heart of what does love look like in God's eyes? What does love look like in God's eyes? I just had started here, serving here at South Suburban, And I knew that we had this exciting and yet anxious journey in front of us of what God was going to do in this next season here at South Suburban. But I felt like the Lord spoke very clearly to me that this season was a season that was going to be filled with love. Now that is a real easy statement to make, isn't it? I mean, our whole life should be filled with love. Our conversation should be filled with love. You could kind of fill in just about any blank with it should be filled with love. And yet, this question was what was burning in my heart, but what does love look like? Because we have this default cultural understanding of what love is. It's a feeling. It's an emotion, it's something that's up and it's down, and that that is not at all what Scripture says, is it? And so over the course of this last couple of months, we have dived into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where God has laid out what love looks like in His eyes. Now, it's a love that He has already demonstrated to us, and now it's a love that He's looking for, reflected in us. And that's been the challenge. That's been the wrestling part, hasn't it? We all love to um, celebrate the beautiful love. But what God is looking for is that we would activate this beautiful love. And that's where it steps on our toes and we're like, "Ah, I don't know, that's a little too much. I mean, patience, come on. God, really? That's the part that we've wrestled with. And yet, that's what God is looking for that this church would be marked by his love. Yes, patient love is one of those things. But the Apostle Paul got so inspired by the Holy Spirit that he took pen and paper and he began to describe these multiple facets of love through God's eyes. And so I want to ask you guys one more time in this, uh, this series that we would look at this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4-8. to 8. And I'm going to read this for us one final time this morning. Verse 4 starts, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now this morning we wrap up our series on this passage with Paul's grand finale on love. As he says that love always perseveres and that love never fails fails. So our study over the last few months has reminded us of this high calling that God has for us to love others. And it's a love that is a, a commitment. It's a choice. And it certainly is a divine love. We talked about that multiple times over the last few weeks that this isn't natural. It's supernatural. It's a divine love because we're not capable of loving others in this way on our own. And yet it's a love that Scripture calls us to. It calls us to not only understand it, which is what we're trying to do right now, is we're we're wrestling with it. So I'd like to be able to break this out into a couple of different categories here. When we come together on a Sunday, we're diving into the Word of God so that we can understand it. But what God is looking for is what you do with it after you leave here on a Sunday. Now that we have wrestled with it and we understand what God is looking for in love, now he's asking us to put it on and to live it out. And that's become our challenge, hasn't it? We all can recognize love and maybe now you could even define it in a in a biblical manner. And you could turn to the passages in scripture that, that talk about love. We understand love, but Colossians chapter three, verse 14 tells us that we are above everything else called to put on love. Wear it, live it out. So that's our that's our challenge as we wrap this up today that we come full circle back to the very beginning and we say, okay, this is a bigger picture than us just taking these few verses and saying, oh, I get it. God is saying, but do you live it? Can anybody say, ouch? That's where we're at, right? And yet, that's the calling. Don't settle. Don't settle for where we've been. Don't settle for what we've always done. Let's go to the high calling of love that Scripture talks about. So this morning, we'll begin this finale by looking at Paul's statement that love always perseveres. The Greek word that's used here for perseveres is a compound word. It's made up of, of a word, hupo, which means under, and "meno," which means to remain. So hupo-mino is to remain under difficult circumstances. That you would remain steady under difficult circumstances. Because this person knows that he's where he's supposed to be. He is determined that regardless of what comes against him, he's going to stay put and refuse to move. And so your scripture, your Bible version, may use the word endures. It's a great word. It may use the word persists. Another great word. True love always perseveres. What Paul is telling us is that true love remains steady under difficult circumstances. That means love never quits, never throws in the towel. It says, I'm committed to be here. I'm committed to stay. I'm committed to work it out, regardless of the cost, regardless of how much time is involved. I'm not quitting, I'm here to stay. Now, again, this is completely contrary to our flesh. The scripture um, calls the, the way that we naturally do things, it calls it the flesh. And so, what comes natural to us is that we say things like, I'm not putting up with any more. I am not wasting any more of my time. The flesh says, I'm finished, I'm done. So let's be honest, okay? Sometimes you just don't feel like you have any more to give, do you? Sometimes we are done with a person. Sometimes we are done with a situation. Sometimes we are just done with a day. Have you ever been in that place before where you're just ready for this day to be over? Have you ever found yourself saying those words? I am just ready for this day to be finished, to be over with to be done maybe you're in a people intensive job maybe you're a teacher are there any teachers in the room all right what about uh, a salesman or or even a waitress or a waiter you you're, you're this, there's a lot of examples of these people intensive jobs and you get to the end of the day see if you can relate to this and you are just done you're done with people that's a difficult thing to say especially when scripture says that we're called to love people let's be honest raise your hand if you've ever just been done with people before don't leave me up here by myself just been done with people been done with a situation you've been done with a day you're ready for your day to be over with I uh, shared an example before um, just the fact that I I spent a number of years as a public school teacher before I started in the ministry. And um, every year at the beginning of the year, I would have to get my voice in shape because my voice would would be exhausted at the end of the day. So research says that that the average person uses about 16,000 words a day. As a teacher, I would have reached 16,000 words by noon. And by the end of the day, listen, hear my heart on this, I was done talking. I was finished. I had used more than my fair share of words. Can anybody else relate? You get to the end of the day and you're just done talking. The problem was that I would come home to my wife who had spent the entire day with our two-year-old. And so her vocabulary existed of about ten words that she used. And when I got home, she was ready for adult conversation finally and I was done. Now listen, that's natural for us. It's perfectly human, and yet the high standard of love that God has for us calls us to something higher. When we have reached the end of ourselves, the Holy Spirit has just begun. And he makes it possible, when we take these times, these days where we say, I don't want to talk anymore, I don't want to think anymore. You ever been in a day where you just, meetings all day long, and you're mentally exhausted? Anybody else been in those days before? And you're done thinking. You're just, you're done. I like what the, these, these memes that I see on, on Facebook a lot, where it says, I'm done adulting You've seen those? Like, I'm done being adults for the day. True love presses on even when we ourselves are finished. We come to the end of ourselves. It happens a lot. But when that happens there's this supernatural occurrence. It's the Holy Spirit of God that that can rise up inside of us with this love because when we are at the end, the Spirit of God has just begun. And true love allows us to remain engaged. It allows us to to stick in the thick and the thin of it. It it allows us to put up with uncomfortable and the hurtful things. It allows us to, to keep on keeping on. When we have reached the end of ourself, love has just begun. Now that's good news for us. Because there are a lot of things in our life that cause us to come to the end of ourselves when we're just done. We're just finished. But the Holy Spirit is there to say, hmm. No. This isn't what love does. I can help you. The problem that we have a lot of times is we forget to ask. We simply forget to take a moment and say, Holy Spirit, I am at the end of myself today. Would you pick up where I'm leaving off? Love perseveres, pushes through, it picks up when we've reached the end of ourselves. We could translate this phrase as love never gives up, it never surrenders, it never quits. And then we come to the last characteristic of love. <clears throat> so this is, this is it. Paul comes to the conclusion of his passage here, and he declares these powerful words in verse 8. He says, love Never fails. That's a big claim, isn't it? Think about this. Love never fails. That's a big claim, but love is a big deal in God's eyes. So, this word, fails, is a Greek word, peepto. It's a word that means to fall from a high position, and it was also used to depict a warrior who fell in battle. And so, Paul is using this word to declare that love never falls, it never fails, and it never stops. And if we were to be honest and and somewhat brutal, uh, the, the truth is that human beings fail one another. I'm sure that you've felt let down by someone else. And if you're honest with yourself, you'll have to admit that you've been guilty of letting others down as well. But true love... God's love never falls, never disappoints, never lets you down. It's a love that is always dependable and always reliable. Always dependable and always reliable. You can be confident that the love of God will never fail and never let you down because it's constant, it's unchanging, it's unbendable, and it's a love that you will always find to be dependable and reliable. Now, I know a lot of you guys, we have different um, translations of, of Scripture, and, and uh, I've talked with you a lot of you guys about, um, well, a lot of you have asked, you know, which one do I use? Well, I, I use a lot of them. Um, anybody else like that? You have definitely more than one version, right? So the latest one that, that we bought for my wife is the English Standard Version. And I like the way that it phrases this passage here, love never fails. It reads, love never ends. Love never ends. Let me tell you why I like that. It's because the next part of this verse, verse 8, starts to compare and contrast love with other spiritual gifts. And here's what it says Love never ends. But where there are prophecies, they will end. Where there are tongues, they will end. Where there is knowledge, it will end. Because these things are temporary. But love is eternal. And then Paul goes at the end of this chapter, he wraps it up by saying, these three things remain. This is a familiar passage for a lot of you. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. Listen, this is important for us to recognize. Love is preferred not only to spiritual gifts, but also to these other graces of faith and hope. And it's because of this, in eternity, faith gets swallowed up. Faith is swallowed up by the actual sight of God. Hope is replaced by divine reality. These spiritual gifts come to an end, but love is made perfect. It doesn't end. It's not completed. Hear this. When all else comes to an end, love will not end. I think that's why Paul said this is the greatest. It's the most valuable. It's the most important. It is eternal. Everything else will either be completed or it will be finished or it will come to an end, but not love. Because when you stand face to face with your Creator, love at that moment will actually be at its greatest height, it will be strongest. That's why Paul said, Love is the greatest, because it doesn't end. First John 4.8 tells us that God is love. There's no way to separate it. When you stand before God, you're standing before love. Love isn't completed. Love is God. It's eternal. It's ongoing. Are you catching this? Are you or is it getting into your spirit? That Paul is talking about something that is just like God. It is God. God is love. Love is God. Love is eternal. It does not quit. It will not end. Everything else will, but not love. That's a huge statement to make. It's a gigantic statement to make from Paul. Love doesn't end. Scripture reveals God's love for us. John 17, 24 tells us that God chooses us. Romans 5.8 tells us that God died for us. Hebrews 13.5 tells us that God will never leave us. On and on and on, Scripture talks about this love that God has for us. And one of my favorite passages, I'm going to ask you to read this with me, or follow along with me. This is Paul's declaration in Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. He says, I am convinced, listen to these, Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sometimes we fall into this trap of thinking that love is about this fat little naked baby that's shooting arrows at us on Valentine's Day we think it's this cuddly little feeling and Paul says no it is actually the strongest thing the strongest representation of God it is the one thing that that bridges the spiritual realm and the physical realm it's the one thing that will not end It is the strongest force in this creation. Love will not end. It's unstoppable. It's not based on whims or feelings or fads. It's rock solid regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the cost. It never fails. It never ends. In fact, Jeremiah 31 3, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Have you ever thought about that phrase? How do you explain? How do you define? How do you describe what everlasting love is? I'll tell you, it's a love that doesn't end. It's always there for you. This is God's love for you. It's not based on circumstances. It's an unconditional love that perseveres. You can't stop it. It won't fail you. It won't fall. It's the love that Paul has tried in this passage to get his arms around and to somehow have all of that meaning and significance flow through a pen as he's trying to describe this supernatural divine love of God that God has demonstrated for us. And we've looked through Scripture and we've all said, oh yeah, that's the way that the Lord, that's, that's for sure, that's Him, that's God. But now God is looking to us to see that same love demonstrated in the world around us. So that's where we come to the end of this series now, this significant part where we've, we stop the study and we close the book and God says, oh, whoa, 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 wait a second. We're not done. We've just begun. Now that you understand, now comes the most important part. Put this on. Live it out. So that's where we're at today. Easy peasy, right? Done. Close the book, we've mastered it. I wish that were the case. But God has said that this love that he demonstrated for us, he now makes available to us through the power of his Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to take an opportunity to wrap up our series by doing this, by saying, Holy Spirit, we need your help because we fall short we've come to an end and we need to rely upon you because I don't want to continue the way that I've always expressed love. I want to grow into the love that you have expressed to us. Now that should be the heart of every believer. That's why Paul said, put it on. Wear this love. Live it out. This is God's high calling for you. I want to wrap this up uh, we 've taken the, the summaries of our of our study here and put them into one long passage here that 's in your notes. I, I wanted you to be able to take this home and i 'd like you to follow along as I read through this as we uh, as we close out today. So this is a a summary of our study here as the Holy Spirit has inspired the apostle Paul to write these words, and then we have tried to take these words and and break them down, and spread them out, and comprehend, and understand. Here's here's our summary. Let me read this for you. Love patiently bears with others for as long as needed. It doesn't demand others to be like itself. It is not self-centered or so consumed with itself that it never thinks of the needs or desires of others. Love doesn't go around talking about itself all the time, constantly exaggerating the facts to make it look more important in the sight of others. Love does not behave in a prideful, arrogant, or superior manner. It's not rude, careless, or insensitive to others. Love does not manipulate or twist situations to its own advantage. Love does not engage in actions or speak words that cause an ugly or violent response. Love does not keep records of past mistakes. Love does not rejoice when it sees an injustice done to someone else but it is overjoyed with the truth love protects and covers others from exposure love strains forward to believe the very best in every situation love always expects the best in others and for others love never quits never gives up and never surrenders love never disappoints and never ends So scripture tells us that we are called to know this love and to rely on it. See, it's possible for you and I to come to a place in life where we believe that love is indeed the best way to live. And I want you to know that God's love for you will never end. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It's an unconditional love that's based on Him, not on us. And it's a love that He offers to each one of us. This morning, before we finish, if you have never said yes to that love, I want to give you an opportunity to do that before we leave today. If you've never said yes, if you've never received that love that God has extended, this beautiful, powerful, unexplainable love that we have talked about. It's the love that God is offering you. And when I to give you a chance today to be able to say yes to that. So with every head bowed and eyes closed today, if that's you, if you're here today and you're just saying, you know what, we've talked about this love, we've studied it, I've read it, but I've never received it in my own life, And if you're ready to do that today, then again, with heads bowed and eyes closed, this is between you and the Lord. This isn't isn't between you and your neighbor. It's not even between you and me. This is between you and God, that you would pray this prayer. You could say, God, I thank you for loving me. I, I thank you for loving me even when I've been unlovable. Lord, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sin and to make a way for me to have a brand new life. And I receive the love that you've extended to me now. Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. That you'd come into my life and you would be my Lord and my Savior from this day forward. And I pray, God, that you would give me the strength to follow you now all the days of my life. And it's in your mighty name that I pray these things. Amen. Listen, if that was you today, if you prayed that prayer, I want to give you an opportunity today to um, respond to your church. Let me explain that. The seat pocket, or actually in the bulletin in in front of you, is a connection card. And on the back of that card, there's a box that says, Yes, I made a decision to follow Christ. As your church, as your church family, as your community, we would love the opportunity to be able to pray with you, to be able to support you. And... um, and just to be able to celebrate with you. So if you do me a favor, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time, or maybe it's been a long time, just take that card and check that box and drop it off with us before you leave today. In a few minutes, we're going to have some prayer partners up here who would love to pray for you for any needs that this congregation has. But if you check that box, I would like to ask you to do something for us today. Would you drop that card off with one of our our prayer teams up here, or you could leave it at the Welcome Center as you leave today. Again, it gives us an opportunity to come around you and support you as a church family in this important decision that you made. Would you guys take a moment and congratulate those who made that decision today? As we wrap it up now, God's calling us to take this honest look at our own lives, to see if the love that we have studied and celebrated is something that is operating in us. Because how we relate to others, how we love others, and how we impact others is of great importance to God. And I want to encourage you to get into the presence of the Lord and ask Him, just one-on-one, in the next few moments here, God... I know I've fallen short in these areas. I'm asking for your help. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me grow. Help me to be able to live out this love. Help me to be able to demonstrate the love that God has already demonstrated for me. It's a beautiful opportunity for us in the next few moments as we celebrate communion together and as we turn to the Lord, the Holy God. And we say, what you have, I want. And I want to live it out. Let's pray as we close today. Father, thank you again for the opportunity that we've had over the last couple of months here to dive into your word. Uh, Lord, thank you that you have demonstrated this love for us, but then you also provided it for us in your word. And God, we ask now that you would help us to put it on and to live it out. So Holy Spirit, we ask in this moment that you would take this love, this divine love, this perfect love, this true love, and that when we fall short, when we come to the end of ourselves, that you would meet us there with this love, that we would be able to put it on and we'd be able to live it out. And it's in Christ's name we pray these things. And all God's people said, amen.